take two. Good morning again, Matt. Good morning. Um, happy All Hallows Day. Happy All Hallows Day, the day after the night of Halloween. Um, just a quick word to our listeners. I think we're just starting to learn it's always going to be take two. Uh, take one is always some kind of crazy thing. Like today, I didn't hit the record button. Fortunately, we didn't go very far. Um, and so here we are. We're rolling. Tape is rolling, as we used to say. Uh, bits are flying, I think. Bits are flying. Bits mm-hmm. are flying. Right, in. right into your face. Um, or into your ears, at least. Don't, yeah. If you put, <laughs> don't put the headphones yeah, up your Yeah, if you're strapping your earbuds onto your forehead or something, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's, it's less effective. Um, so all right now, Halloween is All Hallows Eve, which I yeah. confess I don't know what that is. What does that mean? Uh, well, so this is you know long ago a tradition of t- this was All Saints Day. So traditionally, um, uh, each saint had their own feast day over the course of the year. So. Uh, in, in fact, for a long time, like instead of writing down the date, you know, saying November 1st, March 17th or whatnot, you would write down St. Peter's Day or whatnot. Um, and that's so then things like um, Christmas and Michaelmas were just special cases, right? Particularly well-known feast days. So All Saints Day is sort of the uh, uh, the potpourri of saints. You're supposed to kind of celebrate them all. Oh, so it's like it's like wildcard night. Yeah, that's right. So the idea was that you'd um, you'd uh, you'd have a night of getting all of the uh, ghosts and goblins out of your system before you had a nice holy day. Oh, okay, okay. So today is the day where you would be honoring saints, and the night. Yeah, that's before, right. Which I assume ever. Yeah. The night before is when you. Uh, Cel- but you're celebrating the devils. Well, call. that's the, the trick is it was supposed to be, you know, this is something that goes on over the changes over hundreds of years, but it was sort of originally the, um, the devil's last gasp before everybody was holy. <clears throat> so the devil would be out trying to corrupt people and such. And then people said, Oh, that sounds like a good excuse for a party. <laughs> and then the candy companies said, we can get in on that too. Yeah. Um, Probably the go- the goblins must have uh, created the candy companies, I think is what happened. Wow. Go, you know. Oh, that would make a lot of sense. It's either yeah. Willy Wonka in that factory or um, all the Satan. Halloween creatures in, in the candy factory. Wow. Got to get Tim Burton on that. Um, <laughs> uh, first, uh, welcome to the listeners. Welcome. Uh, those of you who've listened before, thank you for coming back. Um Hope you've been enjoying the show. Um, if you're new, welcome. This is a safe space, usually. At least for you, listeners. Uh, for Matt and I, it's uh, not always safe. Um, That's right. Well, it's several injuries. We're yeah. living on the edge. <laughs> um, our show is, uh, you had a good, good way of describing the show last week, Matt. You said it was improvised sci-fi. Yeah. And... Um, that's something, it's interesting, we started more with an eye towards science. I mean, I think really the, the good-hearted goal of the show, not a, in addition to just having fun, which is the most important yeah. thing. Second is to, mm-hmm. you know, for me to be able to learn about science and for our listeners to, you know, if, if they're also learning, I'm very happy about that. Um, if you already know these things, then you get to hear uh, what a doofus I am. 
by the way, um, <laughs> sometimes I'm a doof. Sometimes I could be a doofus. Um, I am. What, what's my little slogan now? I am a nerd and a geek, but never a dweeb. But sometimes a doofus. Right. I guess we can add to that. Because um, I refuse to be pigeonholed. Yes, sir. Yes. Unless you are a pigeon. <laughs> Apologies to pigeons who have been holed. <laughs> it's, a ter- <laughs> it's a terrible thing to do to pigeons. Um, uh, what the if? We, we say what if. What if something happened? What if one? What if we were to tweak one little thing? Um, people who go out to write science fiction, and, and we have a number of you in the audience, which I think is awesome, and I'd love to hear more from you uh, about your process and your ideas, your suggestions. Um, by the way, as far as that, you can email us at feedback at whattheif.com. Feedback at whattheif.com. Uh, you can also go to our website, which I encourage everyone to do, because you can see all our previous episodes. There's many, 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 uh, with pretty hilarious thumbnails, if I do say so. Thumbnail images. Um, uh, shout out to Google Images for just making that uh, possible. Um, there's some crazy pictures there. There's two boys oh, yeah. fighting in one particular episode. There's another guy with badass lasers. Uh, oh, nice. That's pretty cool. Um that is the show. Oh, and, and we, so we, we tweak one thing, and then we kind of riff on it, actually. So we, we try to keep everything else scientific. And mm-hmm. in that process, uh, Matt tries to keep me on track. Well, let's see how the well that goes today. <laughs> um, stay tuned at the end of the episode, by the way. If you are one of the, our awesome fans on Twitter, um, on Twitter, we are uh, What The If Show. All one word. What The If Show. Um, please see us there. Uh, what do you call it? Sign up, follow us, tweet us, retweet us, and all of you good people who retweeted at me uh, my posts uh, this week, um, based on my tweet that said, "If you repost, I will give you a shout out on the show." I plan to honor my promise as best as I can. So stay tuned at the end of the episode. I want to give a big shout out to everybody there. Um, send us a letter, make a suggestion, uh, a letter. Yeah. Send us a letter or an email, um, <laughs> or, you know, whatever, uh, a pigeon, um, that can yep, fly into, carrier pigeon. With, into the hole and leave a message in the hole. Um, and, uh, we may very well, um, you know, a certain special person with a particularly, you know, interesting, uh, makes a connection with us, um, is going to get ifed. Oh, that was, yeah. That was your idea last week. I thought that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. If you will become a part of one of our scenarios. And if you have a particular scenario you want to be in, we will run with that too. Um, I'd like to say within yep, reason, but I think actually, you know, without reason. No, that's right. Just because yeah, exactly. <laughs> we the can. The less reason, the better. Yeah. <laughs> um, this week, uh, we I continue to be riveted to the news. Um, about the gravitational wave astronomy that is it's pretty cool breaching new new uh, openings i don't know if that's actually english but uh, it's early by the way today (laughs) we have a sponsor today today's show is brought to you by wet hair wet hair wet hair Mm -hmm. um i don't know about you what makes new york city work yeah it's what makes me it's uh what i'm always sporting uh because we wake up in the morning to early to do this before we all go to our real jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt is a uh, 
professor at New York University. Technically, yes. In beautiful Washington Square. Mm-hmm. Technically. Oh, yeah. Technically right. a professor. That was, that's how they said. I'm it. sure there are, I'm sure there are people here who would disavow that. But, <laughs> right. but, well, I guess, I guess we pay you to teach people, but technically we pay you. <laughs> um, no, no, I've, I've taken your class, uh, on occasion and, uh, you bring much light and wisdom and, uh, levity and knowledge. You really dropped some knowledge there. Um, in fact, some of it fell on my toe and it was, you know, it was worth it. It was, it was a teachable moment. Anyway, we woke up early. I was, that was me sipping coffee. And I come here with wet hair. So we're brought to you by wet hair. Uh, It's a fine product. I recommend Mm -hmm. it um, to start your day. Otherwise, bad hair day, not a good thing. That'll be another episode. Gravitational wave astronomy. From wet hair to gravitational wave astronomy, that's how far we can go in one episode. I mean, just... That's pretty standard. Boom, just like that. We live on a pale blue dot. Some of those people have wet hair. So what? We Mm -hmm. cover the full spectrum. Gravitational wave astronomy... um, we uh, just very quick, like what's a one sentence, one or two sentence explanation of that before we do it. Oh, I'll see here. So um, the idea behind gravity waves is that uh, changes in gravity um, zoom around the universe in wave-like form. And this was predicted by Einstein about 100 years ago, um, but they're insanely difficult to measure. You actually measure by the tiny little bit of warping of space-time that uh, that they leave behind as they travel through you. Um, and we just recently um, successfully observed them. We've been trying to observe them for about 50 years, um, and we wow. finally figured it out uh, wow. just last year. And um, if I remember correctly, um, we do it using um, laser uh, that... Uh, is fired, well, you know, is pointed um, in an extremely long tunnel, maybe yep, miles. That's right. It's a, it's a, yep, that's right. And, and technically, it's, um, if, if you want to be pedantic about it, yeah. the instrument called LIGO is actually um, thousands of miles long. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's this particular kind of device called an interferometer in which you don't have to be contiguous, but you can have, you can sample things at different locations and it's as though the instrument is as big as all those different locations. Right. Um, so, and, so in an important sense, LIGO is the size of the United States. Wow. And then including, is it Virgo? Is it, what do they call the one in Europe? Uh, is that Virgo? Yeah, I think that's right. No, so that's its, its own thing. Um, but the, the, the general rule for an interferometer is, uh, if you can get two, if you can take data from two points as far apart as possible, right. then it's as though you have an instrument that big. So the goal actually is, some um, uh, LISA, which is done by the Europeans, which will be an interferometer in space. Um, so then, so then you can have an interferometer the size of Earth's orbit, which would be pretty kick-ass. Um, but r- right now there are three sites. There's the, the, the two LIGO um, instruments in the U.S., uh, mm-hmm. Louisiana and Washington State, I believe. Yep. And um, mm-hmm. then there's another one. I believe the European one is in Spain. Well, that sounds right. But and um, that gave us three. And with three, you can not only sense the wave, but you can get a precise direction. 
Uh, that's right. Yeah, you can get a direction with two uh, as well, but three is better. Three is better. Higher is better. Um, so uh, the astounding, the one factoid before I move on to another thing, is uh, it measures, they, in order to sense the gravitational wave passing through the Earth, they are making a measurement where basically the laser hits a mirror and bounces back, and then they can, it's it's the difference in the, uh, what has happened to the laser in between the time that, it went right. down to the mirror yeah. and came back. But that mirror, anyway, they're measuring a difference of billionths of a proton? With a um, proton? That sounds, a, that sounds about right. I'd have to, um, I'd have to check the number, but billions of a proton sounds about right. It's certainly a fraction of a subatomic molecule right. or a subatomic particle. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Oh, it's totally insane. It's, it's mind boggling. Um, there's a, there's a lot of zeros in front of that number. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just think about put in your mind an atom, electrons spinning around a nucleus. There's an enormous amount of distance between those electrons spinning around and the nucleus itself, huge amount of empty space. Yeah. And then inside that nucleus is a proton, maybe, you know, some number of protons, some number of neutrons. Um, but those are pretty small. And uh, a billionth or some, some ungodly uh, small fraction of the width of a proton. Yeah. They can right. Yeah, so the scale is just totally different than we're used to thinking about the universe in. Um, and that's, uh, and it's really kind of mind blowing to, to, to ponder that we can make uh, reliable measurements right. on that scale. Right? And it's a ripple in space time itself. So it means that it's not like, yeah. it's not like a radio wave or something. Um, right. It's yeah. It's um, yeah. We you can think of a radio wave as a little packet of electromagnetic energy, you know, zooming through space on its own. Uh, but a gravity wave is an actual ripple in space. And that's uh and that's weird, right? Um, so it's uh, so uh, the analogy is more like um, let's see here. You're in you're you're in the ocean, um, and a ocean wave comes by. So the the wave is the ocean, right? But it's a, a bit of the ocean that's behaving in an unusual way. Right. So so the radio wave would be like the the canoe coming across the top of the ocean that's about to hit you. Um, that's different. It's kind of riding on the ocean. Right. Um, right. And then the gravity wave is itself. So it's like if you blew up the effect of a gravity wave to sort of macroscopic scales, you would actually see the table in front of you um, uh, shrinking and expanding. Right. Just in front of you as, as the wave passed through it. Totally weird. So basically they are sensing the earth or the device itself, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, shrinking and expanding by some minute fraction small amount. Yeah. of a proton. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- w- leaping ahead, because that's what we do. We're impatient. Yeah, we're leapers. I mean, it took them 50 years to do that. All right, we're done. What have you done for me lately? I mean, we saw a couple <laughs> neutron stars. There was a bunch of gold. Uh, check out that previous episode, by the way, where we, we talked about that. Um, all the gold that was created in the neutron star uh, collision. That LIGO uh, measured. But um, what's another thing that uh, scientists look forward to being able to sense? To detect? 
to detect, um, yeah, and and, and to yeah. use as a way, in a way. Uh, oh, well, also, real quick, just to be clear, gravitational wave astronomy. I mean, this is an entirely new thing. Basically, we've never been mm-hmm. able to sense, we could say, see um, these vibrations in space time. But now right. that we can, yeah. they're literally mm-hmm. like ripples, right? Now we can use it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, so the first question, you know, we had to establish was our gravity waves real. Right. So Einstein, Einstein gave us a good reason for thinking that they were, but, but theorists make stuff up all the time. So you gotta, you gotta check and see whether or not it's right. Um, and so like I said, we had a good 50 years of, of trying to figure out whether gravity waves were real. Um, and then quite recently we decided they were, and then once you decide they're real, then you can use them to to learn things about the universe that you wouldn't otherwise know. It's amazing. In an instant, I don't know, has this happened before, where in an instant we went from, it, it was uh, discovery and an application. Like the same yes. device, <laughs> the same device that does the discovery mm-hmm. that says, yes, these waves exist. Um, and by the way, now that it's here, you look over there. And look, mm-hmm. there's two black holes hitting each other, or that yeah. they, they did uh, a little while ago. Um, that's incredible. So it's uh, yeah. So I mean, it's cool because one of the I think one of the reasons we're able to do that that shift from discovery to application so fast is that we had half a century of prep time, right? Mm-hmm. So there were lots of you know drunken conversations of astronomers late at night saying, all right, but if we get our gravity wave detector running, what are we going to do with it? Right. And then, and then those conversations, you know, get cleaned up uh, and sobered up and then published. Um, but over, you know, over that many years, people had sort of everything ready to go. And they're like, all right, great. Uh, and that's as opposed to, say, um, x-rays, which, which also had a pretty quick move from discovery to application but you know they were called x-rays because they were mysterious right no one knew no one expected them no one knew what to make of them when they happened um and then so then you know 20 years after the discovery of x-rays they're being used on the battlefield of world war one to to help people out um but yeah but there's um i'm glad you said to help people out because i was trying to imagine x-ray not death rays death rays on the battlefield yeah. It's nice um, that it was that was Marie a good Curie, cause. actually. Yeah. That's right, it was a good cause. Yeah, Marie, yeah. Marie Curie set up this uh, fleet of um, portable x-ray machines, sort of the first ones ever, kind of ambulances built around x-ray machines, um, and funded them herself and sent them out to, to, to work in the field. Um, but one of, the things, one of the things you have to do when you have a new tool, like, say, an x-ray or, or a gravity wave, is figure out how it connects to what you already know. There's this kind of calibration, right? So if, if it's totally, if, if your, your new tool, your x-ray is showing you things that you've never seen before, that's great. But how do you connect that to things you already know? Because you don't want to have, you know, a whole field of knowledge that doesn't have any connection to, to things you already understand. So one of the things uh, early x-ray folks had to do was, you know, you, so you take an x-ray and you get this image of somebody's chest or whatnot, and you see all these features in it. Mm. And you say, so what are the, what do those features correspond to in the body? Right. Um, so, you know, with a cadaver, you can just 
chop it up, right? So you say, okay, I'm going to take out the lungs now and I'll take the x-ray again and see what's missing. Halloween, the x-ray. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, so that way you can learn, you know, what the different shadows look like, but mm-hmm. you obviously can't do that on um, a live person or you shouldn't, right? This has got to be the first part of medical ethics, right? right. Don't, don't, don't take out the lungs and of your patient and not put them Again, back Again, just don't be a dick. This rule, <laughs> I come back to First this rule. First rule of medical simplest, ethics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a very short class in med school. Right. Don't, Don't be a dick. All right. Uh, Everybody so, go home except you, Bob. <laughs> uh, so the, the trick is to, to connect the, the new shadows in the x-ray you see to things you already know. So, for instance, one of the things that you know, pre-X-rays, you didn't have a whole lot of tools for seeing inside a human body. Um, but one of them was uh, percussion. And you'll still get doctors do this, right, where they kind of tap on your chest. Oh, yeah. And then listen yeah. to hear what's there. So that used to be a major diagnostic tool because it was one of the few ways you had of kind of interacting with the inside of somebody's body. Right. So since that was a, a well-understood method, um, early X-ray manuals like had this chart where they said, if with percussion you heard this, that's this is what it would look like on an X-ray. Uh, so, right, so, so right. you would translate the new tool into the form of the old tool, mm. and then, and then once you get a feel for that, then you can use the new tool just on its own. Right. Right. Wow, that's interesting. So that's the phase we're at. So that's the phase we're at with gravity waves. Now is for the first time we saw a gravity wave event intersect with a visual event so we can say ah okay this corresponds to that right that was the big difference between this one this announcement and the the previous one would say the the the, uh right the premiere just the gravity right the premiere episode uh their first thing they detected (laughs) that they the pilot yes the pilot episode was uh when they saw they detected the collision of two black holes but we had no visual observation of that this one two neutron stars they were able to uh quickly tell astronomers around the world hey point your telescopes at this particular spot and see if you can see the afterglow of the collision and they did yeah so that so that gives us confidence then that the gravity waves are detecting something real because we also detect it in our old system that we feel good about and even better the gravity wave uh observation predicted the visual follow-up which is even yes better. that's right that's yeah so we, so we that's right so we detected the gravity waves and then the drunken astronomers said dude turn your telescope to this spot yeah, that's right. and then they looked and saw the saw the bright light and they're like oh all right that's that's a thing yeah yeah, yeah. so it took actually took out some bias you know if, if, yeah. if, if they had discovered the flash in the sky first and then went back and looked at their um uh if the gravitational wave astronomers went back and look at their records, their data, they would say, oh, yeah, we, there it is. We see that. Yeah, that's right. You get a kind of selection effect where since you're looking for something, you'll probably find it. Right. Um, so, yeah, so a good rule in science is when you're surprised by something, that it's, it's more reliable then. Right, right. And this is interesting. Basically, this 50-year um, buildup to uh, actually sensing gravity waves was like – an epic five-decade-long what-the-if. 
Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> um, and it's it, it's really an amazing story. I should say, if you want to know more about this, uh, there's a, a beautifully written book um, called Einstein's Unfinished Symphony by uh, Marsha Bartusiak. Um, and it would be and it's it would be interesting to read both the the original version, which was before gravity waves were sort of officially detected, um, and then the 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 new edition written after that. Um, and there's also a sociologist named Harry Collins who has written uh, extensively on this stuff and interviewed all the astronomers as a sociologist does um, because he was interested in this problem of how do you build a career on something that people aren't sure if it exists, right? So in the 1980s, if you said, I'm a gravity wave astronomer, it's like saying, I'm a biologist who studies elves, and you're like, but but what do you study, right? What that's not a thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff. So there's there. a direct connection there to string theory. Um, sure, where string theory is at that place where it's theorized. There's a lot of math which shows how mm -hmm. it works if it exists. Might show how it works if it exists. Um, tremendous amount of thinking has gone into it. Um, do we know? Uh, this is a leap and maybe way outside your uh, bounds, but um, if that was confirmed, in addition to all the incredible things we would learn about that, is there some kind of astronomy that would change? For string theory? Yeah. Um, Could we sense Well, them? so part of the, pro the answer is probably no. Mm. Um, <laughs> I guess it, it would depend on exactly what it was we detected. Mm, mm. And part of the problem with when you talk about confirming string theory is that there are many, many different string theories out there. Right. Um, there, there are, string theory is a collective noun. Right. Yeah. What about... Um, so depending on which version. Yeah. yeah so what about um, dark matter? Is dark matter, we uh, know... Yeah. we Okay, so now dark matter... Is, a, is another interesting one, right? We mm -hmm. know it exists, but we don't see it. But we that's see its right. effects. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. We only know about it inferentially. So we can. So that's that's why we call it dark matter. The same reason that Röntgen called his rays X-rays, right? It's uh, just a placeholder right. indicating our ignorance about something. So we're quite sure that there is some kind of matter out there that doesn't interact much with light, um, but does interact with gravity. Great. So we know it's matter, and we know it's dark. So we call right. it dark matter. And it's not so actually we dark, can, we right? Can see it's a, it's yeah. invisible. Well, this is this. Quite, that's right. It's um, it it's right. It does not interact with light. Is would be the wow. the, the right way to say it. Right. Um. Yeah. So that so it would be weird to interact with. That's right? how I am at <laughs> a party. Could, yeah. By the way, when I'm at a party, I'm I'm not invisible. Invisible. I'm just not interacting with people. It's only gravitationally. Right. right. If you were looking for, if you were seeing that room through sound vibrations, I would be invisible. Although you might see <laughs> yeah, so it would the clinking be, of the ice in my whiskey glass. This is actually not how I heard right, a party, but, the, but it'd be funny if it was. The wet hair. Yeah. Yeah. The wet, um, it's the wet hair. Um, I sense wet hair in the room somewhere. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So the, what would be great. So I should say we do, you know, astrophysicists talk about dark matter and, and its behavior and, and use it to solve problems and such, even though we're essentially still ignorant of what it is. Um, so if somebody could build a dark matter detector, that is, could actually 
sense dark matter directly rather than just inferentially by its effects, um, that would be pretty kick-ass because then you could just point it to the sky and you say, okay, now I see the dark matter yeah. that before I had just inferred was there. Right. I must say, I had the very good fortune to um, be in to be at uh, Caltech when it was Caltech. Uh, yeah, and um, the just one of the uh, one of the astronomers we interviewed um, for the Einstein documentary, um, who was also uh, he had Newton's job at Cambridge. Was the head of the Lucasian Cambridge. professor. Lucasian yeah. professor. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to mm-hmm. blank on his name, Richard. Um, but uh, anyway, he and his team of like hundreds, uh, hundreds and hundreds of um, associates uh, announced uh, a, a map kind of of dark matter through one slice of the universe. And they made a visualization sure. where you could see these blobs. That's cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, if you had a, so if we had a dark matter detector, uh, it also would be one of these things mm-hmm. that I kind of like, which is that. Um, scientifically just that change of being able to see it would be, you know, even if it's not, you're directly seeing it, but it's being translated into a way that you can totally visualize. For instance, you would see the Milky way and huge amount, isn't it? Don't they think that uh, one thing that might keep galaxies together is that they're surrounded by dark matter? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They've got these halos of matter. Yeah. Yeah. So to see that would be, um, or see it in your mind now. I mean, that's like the scale of it, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. The scale of it. Um, is yeah, and it'll be, and, and we, you know, you can get a little feel for that, um, even with different wavelengths of light. So there's a if you do Google Google search for um, a multi-wavelength Milky Way, there's a cool site that shows you the Milky Way in visual light and infrared light and right. ultraviolet and X-rays and gamma rays and radio waves, um, and to see how the shape of the Milky Way is so different, um, oh, and wow, to get a okay. feel because there's all these parts that look dark visually, right. but in fact there's tons of stuff going on, right? Right. Um, and, and that, that same kind of thing I was talking about with the x-rays and the gravity waves you have to do with each new kind of detector, right? You figure out how it relates to the stuff you already know, right. and then you can use it to make new discoveries. Right. So if we had a dark matter detector, that would be the first project, right? So how do we, we're pretty sure dark matter exists at that point in the sky because we infer it. So let's point to our dark matter detector there. And if it says, yes, you're right. Like, okay, so now we can start using it to do other cool stuff. Right. So if we, do we know if, um, let's say this, you know, what, here's the thing. What if, it's very simple, very simple. What if this week, what if we could see the dark matter? Um, Mm -hmm. Even just like, imagine you got a filter you can put on, or, you know, we, we, this might be a bit fanciful, but, but it's as if you could look up with binoculars at the sky and see the dark matter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what also grabs me is that it's matter. It's, right. you know, it's yes. a different kind of matter, which is a little bit hard to wrap your mind around, but um, it's matter, which is different than looking at something through different uh, frequency filters or something, um, which right. is cool and, and amazing. <laughs> but um, this fact that yeah, there's so these like, enormous well, blobs. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and probably... Um, actually, I would imagine um, dark matter glasses would be a little <sighs> disturbing because probably you're floating in the midst of dark matter 
right now. Uh, <laughs> so one of the <laughs> one of the weird things about you're soaking in it. Um, that's almost certainly, yeah, is that you you probably could not touch it because our sensation of touch is mediated by electrical forces. And electrical forces are essentially the same forces that you find in light. So if dark matter does not interact with light, you probably can't touch it either. Uh, and that's weird then. So you would have it just floating through Whoa. you constantly. Um, and I don't know about you, but I would find that a little disturbing. Right. It'd be I think like, to just see a blob of dark matter emerge from my chest and float away. Right. It'd be like a, um, not a ghost in that it's a creature or anything, but like... Um, ghostly. Ghostly, maybe like water. But we don't even know, does it have waves see, that's, in it? That's I mean, it kind must, of the, the... Yeah, that's right. And it, I don't know if it would be like... Um, water in the sense of being like little droplets or if it would be like a cloud or kind of a, uh, you know, smoke machine fog. So those are part of the, those are the kinds of questions that are hard to answer without being able to, to see it in more detail. Um, or at least it really, I mean, this is, we're not making this up. This is real, right? right? I mean, we, Mm -hmm. we have a lot of evidence for dark matter. We don't know what that is, dark matter, but we have a lot of evidence for yep. something that's so has so much gravitational strength uh, that yep. it's got to be There's a something lot there. and huge. And so let let's say that as much as we can say it's real, and then you're in it. We're all swimming in it. Now it's mm-hmm. going to exist in I think they say it exists in clumps in different places of the universe yeah that's right but but the clumps are on cosmological scales so right. on on our scale it's unclear how clumpy it would be so that being the case then um it's interesting it's it's not unlike another previous episode we did where we had to, what if space were breathable or you could swim in it and things like that mm-hmm. not that you could live in this dark matter necessarily although something might right it, so, so how? Who knows, right? I mean, if if you can have dark matter chemistry, then maybe you can have dark matter biochemistry. I don't know. Wow. Right. right. We don't so, know I mean, how you, complex this dark matter is. Right, because I should say there's there's lots of different candidates for dark matter, and they're generally divided into two categories that are called, and I'm not kidding, uh, machos and wimps. So, uh, <laughs> well, we <know> machos. <laughs> Machos stands for uh, massive compact halo objects. So that would be things like um, brown dwarfs, like Jupiter-sized planets or small black holes um, hanging out on the edge of the galaxy. Um, And then WIMPs are weakly interacting massive particles. So that's a suggestion that – so if machos – if you go with the machos hypothesis, um, it's normal matter in the sense the same kind of matter that you and I are made of. It's just in a form that's hard to see. And then wimps are, it's a totally new kind of matter. So that would be the stuff that's floating out of your chest. Um, so machos would be, you know, it could be billions of bowling balls floating around at the edge of the galaxy and we just can't quite Whoa. see it. So the idea um, is that one of these, it's only one or the other, not that both these things well, exist? Well, this or? is part of the problem is that it's, it's almost certainly not just one or the other. <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> you, can, right. you can detect machos pretty well using um, gravitational lensing. It's a way to kind of indirectly measure uh, the, right. the presence of a gravitational object. Right. Um, and we've done lots of macho surveys and we've found cool stuff out there, but it's definitely not enough to explain everything. Right. And uh, similarly, with, with WIMPs, we've got... We've got 
you know, good ideas about some possible wimps, but they're definitely not enough to explain it all as well. well sir, yeah, so it's wimps. probably going to be some connection of the two. Yeah. <laughs> you see, this is what happens. Um, and when I should dweebs, say, yeah. this is what happens when dweebs get into power, and um, you know they choose names based <laughs> on their experience in high school, and uh, see that. Yep, yeah, wimps rule the universe. Um, they, <laughs> yeah. they hold the galaxy together. Yeah. Uh, but people are building. You know, essentially, the dark matter detector we were just speculating about is a wimp detector, and there are people who are building these. And are looking for them. So you you, know, you have a theorist sit down, drunkenly or not, right. and figure out some some possible kinds of things that wimps might be. And then if those exist, how might we detect them? Um, and then the experimentalists go and try to build a detector that, oh, that senses these things. I will no longer be able to hide at the party. I mean, the wimp detector. Um, I am going to set the wimp can- detector off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, assuming they work it out, but you can easily sabotage their research if, if that's your concern. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're going to be like, oh my, something just pegged the meter. There's definitely a source of wimp. <laughs> there's, a, there's a wimp present. <laughs> we have a major wimp. Uh, we have a wimp black hole <laughs> at the center. Right. Of, uh, we would, we would probably say it's, uh, we've just detected a wimp event, <laughs> um, whatever that might be. Well, this is my birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is ex- I, I, I'm very excited now. You know, I never really focused that much directly on dark matter in this way of really saying, what would it be like to be able to see it? Um, and with all these experiments that we do, we got off a little bit off the ground. Yep. Um, Elon Musk gets farther. Um, but maybe we got, uh, what's his name at, uh, Jeff Bezos. Maybe we got Jeff Bezos height, uh, off the okay, ground, you know, Not, it's mm-hmm. respectable. Um, yep. but, uh, I'd love to continue this. Yeah. I mean, like if there's, st- the question is what's the structure of the dark matter and how complex mm-hmm. is it? Um, my last question, I sort of asked it before, but just to, to finish, might it be so complex that it's really as if, I mean, just an entire another world, like I hate to say another dimension, but something like that, that there's this whole thing going on that we don't know yeah they said that's possible if if dark matter is kind of is the kind of stuff that can make chemical bonds the way ordinary matter makes chemical bonds Uh, then presumably you could imagine that anything anything that normal matter makes up you could have some version of in dark matter so you can have dark matter slugs and trees and um twinkies and we just wouldn't know now i'm there i'm so there um, real quick, I just, I just have so many questions, professor. Um, what would we look like to, what do we look like to the dark matter? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, let's see here. So they would, assuming they're wimps, um, they would, they might not be aware of light as a physical force at all. I mean, maybe they have really clever physicists and they figured out a way to do this, but they wouldn't, um, they would only know about us through our gravitational and certain nuclear reactions too, but we can black box those. Um, so they would only, they might call us dark matter too, or whatever their equivalent is because they could only sense us by gravity, but maybe for them, that's perfectly normal. That's their, that's their basic way of understanding the universe. So no biggie. Right. Like compared to them, we don't bend. We don't have a lot of gravitational power. 
Well, I guess it'd be enough to notice. We though. might not be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they would, uh, yeah. So they would know that there was a sun and planets around it. Right. Uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't know it was bright unless they had, like I said, very right. clever. Now here's the irony. Pieces. Here's the irony. Mm-hmm. The dark matter civilization finally discovers us. And what they say mm-hmm. is it's a bunch of wimps. <laughs> that's right so, yeah they're not worth they're studying all wimps forget it we machos will go about our business um okay this is awesome man we really we just let's let's call this one we, we basically sort of painted a landscape that can be explored through further what yeah, if that's right. cosmoscape yeah. yeah cosmoscape ooh that's not a bad title um it's like if Carl Sagan escaped that's right we can't have that yeah who knows what he'd do thank you thank you everyone Um, for listening in Uh, Matt I'm gonna oh we gotta do some shout outs yeah 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 Um, but if you do you have to run no no I'm good alright glad you're sticking around for the shout outs I wanna do some quickie shout outs here Um, these are people who retweeted since I mentioned that we would give shout outs these are just uh, twitter names Theakston T-H-E-A-K-S-T-O-N. Theakston, thank you for retweeting. Um, you, ret- you, like many people, by the way, retweeted um, one of the astronomy pictures of the day from NASA, which is very beautiful. When I say particularly nice when I retweet it, you retweeted that. Thank you very much. 69 question mark, period. <laughs> hmm. I give you a shout out just for the coolness of that <laughs> name. Um, you know who you are. Um uh, a couple other science websites and science fiction. The Sci-Fi Pubcast. Thank you very much, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Nice. I'd love to meet you guys and ladies if you're there. Um, and Open Science. Ditto. Who are you? Let's let's get together. Uh, another one. I am SciCom. Oh, I am SciCom. By the way, that's um, a rotating account. There's a different science communicator who takes over that account and, and talks about themselves. Uh, and their work throughout the week. Very cool. Um, person who's, who's doing it right now is uh, got some back and forth. It's very interesting. Uh, ah, here's a normal name. Nate Maman. M-A-M-M-A-N. Nate Maman. Nate Maman. Thank you. Thank you both. Maman and Maman. And, and that's everybody. I know there's a lot of other people too. Um, Darwin, you're always there. Uh, Claire, you're out there. Um, I'm going to look through my list and, 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 and make sure everybody gets a proper shout out this week um please go to our website whattheif.com please go to itunes 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 i want to thank the people who have left us reviews you really could use a review that that's the kind of thing that keeps itunes from suggesting our podcast to other people who might like it and the more listeners we have the bigger the community the more fertile the imagination that would be fantastic <laughs> and on twitter what the if show and lastly email feedback send us the email feedback we like letters a pen we used to have a thing called pen pals so you know we, you could be like bite pixel pals we could be pixel pals, pixel pals. um what the if show matt thank you so much thank you another awesome week have a good one farewell hope it's a great one and that uh next week we can rejoin and say what the yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bye now. And we want to thank Dr. Kiki. I have to thank 
Dr. Kiki for everything. She's a big inspiration. She does uh, Kiki Sanford. Um, Kirsten Sanford runs the uh, This Week in Science podcast. You must check it out. This Week in Science, also known as Twist, T-W-I-S. Triv Works, T-R-I-V Works, W-R-K-S, for uh, retweeting. Thank you so much. Uh, you retweeted one where I said, holy crap, that stiff competition. Uh, I can't remember what that tweet was about, but thank you. I'm glad you thought it was worthwhile uh, to retweet. D. Douglas, thank you very much. Trek Todd, thank you so much. Sally Washburn and Christian Woodland, you're the best. Also, Dr. Yakub Halak. Am I pronouncing your name right? I'm not sure I am. I probably am not. Uh, Y-A-A-C-O-U-B Halak, H-A-L-L-A-K. Thank you for retweeting. Um, you look like a very interesting person. So learn more about your work. I see you're at Emerson University. Uh, General Geekery, thank you for retweeting. You have an icon that is the face of Hal the computer, and that is awesome. General Geeky, Geekery. Um, Dinesh De Silva, thank you so much. Jamie, J-A-I-M-E, you rock. Uh, your bio says you're human, so that's fantastic. Um, Glad to have humans retweeting us. Nerds with Words, another fantastic name. You rock. Tom Zim, you rock. Also a great name. Z-I-M-M. Longbox Scavengers. Podcasting gives you an excuse to buy and read more comics, it says. So you check out the Longbox Scavengers podcasts. Um, oh, I also see they are Nation of Nerds. Nation of Nerds, thank you. You are fantastic. Christian Woodland, thank you so much. Dub 8 Lady, Dub 8 Lady. D-U-B 8 Lady. That's a great name. You might be a bot. Some of you might be bots, in which case I salute you. Uh, you are our future overlords, uh, bots of Twitter, bots of Facebook, clearly. Our, uh, if you're Russian bots, I especially salute you. Uh, Aoshins, A-O-S-H-I-N-S. Thank you very much, Peter Warren. Patty, B.J. Wolfenden, author. That's a great name. You must be an author. Shane Bramali, Annie Lynn, Mark James, The Last Galaxy, promoting scientific articles about our amazing universe. The Last Galaxy. Is your avatar... Uh, I thought it was Darth Vader. It's not, but you got a cool space picture. Diana E. Abney, pediatrician. You rock. Uh, Lipe Galarce, G-A-L-A-R-C-E, citizen of mankind. You rock. Your avatar looks like Napster. That's pretty cool. Jennifer Yuen, Patricia Holden, Shane Bramali. Shane Bramali again. Shane Bramali, you're all over this thing. You're amazing. Grant Peterson, Martin Nalen, Tony Bocci, Joseph Moffat, Viv Smith, Stacy, not Stacy, Stays Crunchy and Milk. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, that's something we all need. Mike Marlowe, Mystic Investigations. Supernatural Investigations, Firm. Fighting Paranormal Forces of the Darkness, what? Sounds like a little bogus pseudoscience, but if you find anything, let me know. Sounds awesome. I'm going to check out your website. S-E-N, S-E-N, ooh, that's a cool name. I'll take that. Robin Edgar, Prayer. That's your name? Prayer? Pretty cool. I hope things work out well for you. Robin Edgar again. Diana Simon Jones, Eric Francis, The Atheist Pope. Hell yeah. That's funny. All opinions are mine. Rebroadcast as prohibited without express written consent. Major League Baseball. Funny. Mika Shippey, PhD, rock on. Cheryl Russell, rock on. Mark Rosario, Leslie Maniotis, Theo Mertzimikas. I'm just butchering all your names, I'm sorry. Voss, but festive. Okay, I'm glad you're festive. Dante Alighieri, that's really your name. That's awesome. Benjamin Hall, Kenneth Meyerson, Anthony Nairn, Katie Sarge, Peter Barfus. I'm not going to say anything about that. It's a great name. I think it's your real name. I'm going to go with that and say I'm proud of you for rocking that name. Fourth the up uh, excuse me for the spacemen for the spacemen Frenchmen against the great French nuclear power plot NSFW okay so you know who you are in this audience who shouldn't go see that the rest of you for the spacemen I don't know could be funny or important yeah he's, he's trying to save the world in his own way Jason Major rock on LRW Leroy Wicked <laughs> I don't know if you're related to Leroy Jenkins but if so say hello Leroy Jenkins 
is Robin Edgar. Robin Edgar, you are fantastic. You are a very generous retweeter. Um, you're a photographer and videographer basking in the untold glory of being falsely accused of the crime of blasphemous libel by bat s crazy atheist Unitarians. Okay, so I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> Thank you for your retweets, and good luck with that situation. Jesus Valencia, Marvel Movies Art. Yes, sounds fantastic. Kathleen August. Kathleen L. August. I salute you. Tanya Jamal. Documentary Nerd. Hey, shout out to you on Documentary Filmmaker 2. Thank you for supporting independent cinema. Maybe you make it too? I don't know. Either way. Fantastic. Mike Fisher. Retired NASA computer nerd. Amateur photographer. Would-be park ranger. And pop-up. All those things are excellent. I salute you. Yo- uh, Joachim Selzer. Joachim? J-O-C-H-I-M? Selzer? Chris Case. <laughs> Chow Voodoo Shaman. That's the name. Chow Voodoo Shaman. Roiling Cauldron of Anchor and Revulsion at a Society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chow Voodoo Shaman. He's a little political. I salute you. Captain X Go-Go. A lot of fun people out here, huh? Director Neil Johnson. Ashley Taylor Belair. Baylor? Baylor? B-E-I-E-R-L. I salute you. Tanya Jamal, again, thank you. Dr. Key. And Darwin Hannon, as always, another generous uh, friend of the show, retweeter. Um, so special thanks to Dr. Kiki and Darwin Hannon. Thank you all for retweeting. I hope you find this shout-out warms your heart. Uh, or at least uh, fills your ego. Or you just think is crazy and why can't that guy pronounce my name? It's not that hard. Um, either way, the best thing is that you're you're looking at, at our stuff. You're sharing awesome material on Twitter, too. I love trading um, stories, um, beautiful pictures of uh, astronomy and science, um, and uh, funny commentary. So keep it all going. What the If Show on Twitter. 